The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed washed in the blood, in the the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed washed in the blood In the the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments Spotless are they white as snow Only washed in the blood of the land Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You may not like the style of music, but the message is right on. There is a fountain open for every sinner, where we can be washed and made clean. Have you been washed? Are you clean? Or are you still walking in sin? I want to walk in the joy of living day by day in God's power, washed and clean. This faith, God's faith that we can walk in, is not just an intellectual assent to a set of principles. It is instead the constant trust, constant trust in our heart. It's a voluntary, intelligent trust in God as he is revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share with you today 
as we open from the book Holy Spirit Revivals by Charles Finney. Charles Finney writes the clearest description I've ever seen of what we must teach and learn and obey if we're going to walk washed in the blood. That's not just something we say. It's real. It's by faith. It's not foolishness. It's where we're called to walk day by day, moment by moment. He describes what he taught from the Word. Let me share it with you. This is page 238 of the book, Holy Spirit Revivals. He writes, I taught the certainty that sinners will be endlessly punished if they die in their sins. I presented the gospel in such a way that they would have no doubt. Sinners were taught that without the divine teaching and influence of the Holy Spirit, they never would be reconciled to God. They were told that God required them to pray, but to pray in faith and in the spirit of repentance, and that when they were asked to confess their sins, they asked God to forgive them, and they were to commit themselves un alterably to his will. Let's stop a moment. If you want to be serious about eternity, if you want to be serious about heaven, about salvation, then the casualness of this world has to be laid aside. There has to come into our heart a divine teaching from the Holy Spirit. There has to come into our hearts an understanding of what God requires of you. And first and foremost, He requires of you that you pray in faith speaking with the Lord God of heaven in a serious manner about the true condition of your heart. And there must be in that prayer a willingness on your part to absolutely commit yourself to the will of God, not to the will of human doctrine, not to the will of what you were taught as a child. This is not the old-time religion we're talking about. We're talking here about the living faith in Jesus Christ 
that brings us into the power of the Holy Spirit. We must understand that if we're going to be forgiven, we have to absolutely turn away from our sin. And we do that by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts. If you simply pray a prayer that is unbelieving, that doesn't really cut to the heart of your spiritual condition, you're praying a prayer of abomination before a holy and righteous God. But if you are truly inclined to offer an acceptable prayer before God, you can do it. There's nothing but your own obstinate heart that stands in the way of offering an acceptable prayer to God at once. I want you to hear clearly, please. You can offer a prayer of repentance before God, but included in that prayer of repentance must be a willingness in your heart to turn aside from all sin. You know what your sin is. You know what your casualness is. You know what your lies are that you've been telling the Lord God of heaven about yourself. You know the bitterness of your own heart. You know the lies that you've been telling the Lord God of heaven. You have to be willing to unalterably submit and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, to his will. see, we all have the ability to pray because it's been given to us. We all have the ability to repent because it's been given to us. You see, you can't do your duty to God. unless you give your heart to God. To repent, to believe, to submit, these are the first duties to be performed. And until these have been performed, no outward act will be doing your duty. Let's talk about that just a minute. If you're going to repent for your sin, you're going to have to believe that God hears your prayer and he will accept you by the blood of Jesus. 
And then you must be willing to totally submit your heart and your life, every part of your life, into the hands of Jesus Christ. As we watch today, America is dying. The gods of of money are dying. The judgments of God are coming upon money. Well, pastor, what am I going to do without money? You're going to get to God. And you're going to begin to pray and get honest with him. You have to lose your house before you'll do that? You have to lose all your your job and your income before you're willing to finally get serious with God? He fed manna in the desert. He has the ability to take care of you. But first, he wants you to repent. To stop worshiping the dollar that is being destroyed by God in America today. He is deconstructing America as we know it. America will never be the same again. Are you willing to see what's happening? To give up all accusations, all bitterness, all anger, all judgments? Are you willing to give up the pride of doing it your way? Are you willing to say, Lord, I want to do it your way? Please take charge now of my heart and my life, and I give myself unalterably to you, Lord Jesus. When we come to Jesus to give our hearts to him, the first step is to repent for our on wickedness. Talked to a man recently who had no concept of any wickedness in his heart. I said, How are you with Jesus? He answered, I walk in the love of Jesus every day. And he believes that. He doesn't understand his true heart condition before a mighty God. He's convinced himself of the modern theology that God loves him without reserve and always will love him, that he is the beloved of God. Not realizing his lifestyle is that of wickedness. We've got to get honest with God. I mean very honest with God. I 
we cannot do our duty to a holy and righteous God unless we have first surrendered our hearts to him to repent, to believe, and then to submit. If you pray for a new heart, well, you didn't give yourself up to God. You're tempting God. For you to pray for forgiveness before you've really repented is an insult to God. To lie to God is a very serious matter. Excuse-making is simply lying to God. Hardness of heart. Every wicked thing in their hearts and lives, here, now, and forever, must be surrendered to Jesus Christ. This is Charles Finney, Holy Spirit Revivals. Page 238. Expand on that and say, If you have lust in your heart and your eyes follow that woman and devour her in your spirit, you cannot be brought into the presence of God for you are filthy. All sin must be submitted to Jesus. You see, I want you and I want me to walk in the everyday experience of the power of God. I want to walk in the joy of being clean before Jesus. I come rejoicing this morning that I am, that I am clean before Almighty God that he has washed me. He's removed the sin. Romans, the sixth chapter, read it carefully. Don't believe what you've been told. Read it for yourself. Romans 6, read it for yourself. I come to Acts, the second chapter. I know you've heard this before, but but please listen. Hear it again, as though for the first time. Brothers, verse 29, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. His tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, 
Verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life. And we're all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And then go to verse 37 with me. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. What did they hear? They heard clearly that they had put to death, executed the creator of life, Jesus. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. The first thing we're called to do when conviction begins to grip our hearts is repent. To repent. To repent simply means to turn. I'm going to go the other direction. But what I want you to hear is that it involves your doing something different. Many people think they repent when they say, Lord Jesus, I've done this, please forgive me. Or I've done that, please forgive me. That's not repentance. Repentance is when we say, yes, this is what I did, I'm sorry. And then we stay with Jesus until we have the assurance that our repentance is acceptable before God. Our repentance must be received by the Father through the blood of Jesus. It involves a change of behavior and attitude. You must be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Here's where we have the great difficulty that we must face and face squarely, and that is that the modern church does not have any power. I want the power to live in the presence of Jesus. I want the ability and the joy of living in that power of God as he pours out his Holy Spirit. We've come up with a formula. We've come up with doctrines. But all without power. So we go through the empty rituals, and baptism becomes an empty ritual, sprinkling an empty ritual. Why do I say an empty ritual? Because it's all there is. 
That's all we get. I'm not satisfied with that. It says you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. I want that power. But it it means, please, I don't mean to be offensive. If you don't have that power, and I don't have it yet, it means that our repentance is not complete in being received by the Father. Because it says that if you repent and you're baptized, I'm not claiming this to be water or Holy Spirit. You pray that one through. But we must have in the name of Jesus Christ forgiveness of sins. And then we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is not a matter of praying until you suddenly burst out in tongues. That's largely false and deceptive. No, there has to be instead an actual, real, giving of power in the presence of the Holy Spirit, where the power of the Holy Spirit is released in us. But today, that's not happening, and the reason it's not happening is that our repentance is not acceptable before God. If you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't look for tongues. Instead, look for your repentance to be acceptable before God. Our repentance is not acceptable because we've lied to God about it. Some of you say, Oh, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. But you act like a devil. You've lied to God. You don't have that sweet spirit of the Holy One. You don't have that sweet power of walking in joy moment by moment. And you pray, and you make a fool of yourself because nothing happens. Why does nothing happen? Because you have not prayed and repented in a manner that is acceptable before God. We're going to have to go back. And we're going to have to ask Jesus to do whatever is necessary in our hearts to bring us into that place of forgiveness where we can Acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior with no hiddenness, where our trust is absolutely given over in faith to Jesus Christ. Now, 
Yes, I speak in tongues. Yes, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But not really. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Not really. Because I, too, with the rest of the church, have confessed my sins, but not to the depth. So now I'm in a place where I have confessed every known sin. I am asking Jesus to receive my repentance. I continue to pray and weep before him until the full joy of the Holy Spirit comes into my heart and my life. And I know I'm forgiven. Now, yes, I know I'm forgiven by faith. But I need to see the evidence of that forgiveness. I need to know beyond any doubt. And I need to walk without sin in attitude, in lust. See, America is dying. America is dying. I read to you Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means, or absolutely no. It is the strongest possible Greek formation that Paul has used. Absolutely no. We died to sin. Can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, there's an argument among some Christians, and I'm not sure how to answer it. Is this the physical baptism of water? Or is this the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I won't argue with you. But if we were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. So whether it's a water baptism or a Holy Spirit baptism, the baptism took us into the death of Jesus Christ. Now, if we have died, it's dying to sin. Dying to our attitudes. Dying to our sharp, quick accusations. To our arguments. It's dying to our attitudes of superiority. It's dying to our, to our pride. To our self-dependence. 
It's dying to everything of the flesh. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Dying to it all. It says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? The only way you can overcome sin is to be baptized into Jesus Christ. That's where lust dies. That's where selfishness dies. That's where bitterness dies. That's where self dies. By being taken into death. What's it mean? To totally give it up. To totally let it be cut off. I know in my life, my heart's kept wanting to go back. Small, little thing, innocent. No, not innocent. Self. Self is not innocent. My heart responds with defensiveness when accusations come. That defensiveness has to die on the cross. Jesus did not defend himself. He came before his accusers without a word of defense. We must do the same. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, that's not an overnight experience for most of us. Most of us have had to go through a time of being in the grave. We jump up much too quick. We have to let our death do its full work. We have to let our death do its full work. We're studying on Thursday evenings in our Bible study the Beatitudes. The first Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Well, what's it saying? Coming to a place in our hearts and our minds where we recognize we can do nothing to save ourselves, where now we have cast ourselves upon the mercy of Jesus. We have cast ourselves upon the mercy of Jesus. And we give up all pride. 
We give it up. The only way to deal with sin is to give it up and let it die. And it dies in the death with Jesus Christ. So listen. Verse 5 of 6. Chapter 6, verse 5 in Romans. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we shall certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. It took three days for Jesus in the grave before he was resurrected. It's going to take some time in the grave for you. Where you absolutely give up everything of your flesh, of your pride. You just give it up. You see, if you want to join in the joy of living in God's power, you're going to have to give up your power and trust that what Jesus is going to do in you is what Peter said. You have to repent. This work of repentance is where we die. The work of repentance is our graveyard. It's where the bones are buried, never to be brought forth in life again. It means we give up our lust, our desire for money. Right now, money is being punished. The Lord God of heaven is removing money from America. The God of America is money, and it will be utterly and completely destroyed. I remember when I was just a little boy, Daddy stopped at a store, and he said, Would you all like an ice cream cone? We said, What's an ice cream cone, Daddy? Oh, watch, you'll enjoy it. He went into the store, he came out a little bit later, and he had an ice cream cone for me and for Don, my brother. He said, it cost a nickel. It cost a nickel to buy an ice cream cone. Money didn't have a lot of value. In fact, it had a lot of value. They bought an ice cream cone for five cents. I remember going to the grocery store when I was just a boy. And my dad said, we need some bananas. How much are the bananas, Raymond? There was a big sign there. Six cents for a dozen bananas. Amazing. We moved into a a house in the country. It was a little house, humble house. I said, Daddy, how much rent do we have to pay? Forty dollars a month, Raymond. Forty dollars a month? How can we afford it? <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
but money became the god of America. And we stole from the nations to live a luxurious lifestyle. They put in the hard work and produced the products, and we gave them paper, backed by nothing, worthless money. God is going to destroy that money, that fiat currency. He's removing it. He's crashing it. What I want you to hear, please hear. The Lord God of heaven has come to clean up America and to destroy the wickedness of this nation. He's going to totally destroy it. And the question comes, have you been crucified with Christ? Now, come on, have you been crucified with Jesus, or are you still living in the wickedness of your heart? It's time for every part of the wickedness to be utterly destroyed that Jesus could then raise us out of the grave and we could live a new life, a new way. Not in the same old, wicked American way. We've come to a place where we are going to lose our precious dollar lose our precious money. And all of the sin that's connected. But if we've been united with Jesus in his death, we're going to also be involved in his resurrection. That's going to take some time for you and for me. I'm on that journey now, and I ask you to please come and join me on that journey. It's a journey that we must take if we're going to ever see revival. It's a journey of dying to ourself and our lust and our, our wants and putting our trust fully in Jesus Christ. Not just some intellectual ascent, but in reality, trusting Jesus Christ for our food, our water, place to live, car to drive. It's a place where we come and lay down what we've created on our own and receive from the hand of Jesus what he wants to give to us.
There is a place of redemption. There is a place to be washed in the blood where the unclean garments are cast off. Where your lust for things of this world, sporting events of this world, the lying and the cheating, the judging, criticizing, has to all be laid down. And as we lay it down in the grave, it'll seem very dark for us. But the journey through the grave must go forward. And out of the darkness of that grave, there comes a resurrection. As Jesus comes and begins to breathe life into us. And it's a new life. It's not the same old life. It's a new life. It's a life of passion. It's a life of compassion. It's a life of giving for others. It's a life of healing for others. It's a life of utter surrender where we go as Jesus sends us and we do what Jesus sends us to do. Where we say what he wants us to say. Where we trust him. Where we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is life beyond the grave. It's as if we have been united with him like this in his death. We certainly also will be united with him in the resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with its with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We're talking about a whole new way of living, of freedom, of joy, of wondrous joy and happiness in Jesus where we can walk through the day knowing that our eyes are upon him and that he's ordering our steps, that he's providing us with all that we need, that his heart is there for us. But it means we must repent in truth and not lie. It means we no longer live by our flesh. We no longer say one thing and do another. We're instead filled with His Spirit, 
Now, the power is not going to come yet. Because that repentance has to be tested in the, in the grave. Your repentance must be tested in the grave. The resurrection comes after it's been tested in the grave. And the Lord knows that we're going to stay there, in the grave, in the flesh. That we're not going to come forth until he brings us forth, until the work is finished in our hearts. I hope today has been helpful to you. We're going to further this message tomorrow. I pray you'll join me on Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm looking, praying for people who are serious about Jesus, who want to get clean, who want to be washed in the blood. If that's you, then let me hear from you. Financially, I'm standing by faith that Jesus is moving in the hearts of those he's chosen to give. Many have disappeared. They've not liked these messages. But I'm sorry, I can't please you in the message. I have to come straight up and speak it straight and clean and clear. That's what God is calling me to do. It doesn't matter who comes or goes. It only matters whether you repent and recognize you must be in the grave for a while. Now, if God is calling you to give, to help carry this radio message, I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, go to our webpage and see what the Lord has led Brother Ed Pugh to do in creating a new webpage for us. It's beautiful. It's not completed yet, but it's coming. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. If you care about this message and you want this message to stay on the Internet, and you want it to stay on 780 AM, we stream to both Internet and also to 780 AM, a Salem broadcast. Now let's pray. Lord, I bring my brothers and sisters before your throne that each person who would listen to this broadcast would get very serious about their work of repentance and entering into the grave with you, Jesus. 
that everything of darkness would be put away, that everything of the wickedness of this world would be cast off. For you are calling for a holy people. Lord, I pray for those who are sick today. I pray you will move with healing. Oh, Lord. I ask that you would move with healing in the, in the bodies and minds of every person listening. That as you bring us into your presence, you would fill us. Lord, I thank you. I praise you and worship you and honor your mighty name. I say glory to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I thank you for what you're choosing to do in our lives and in our hearts as you prepare a revival people. I pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> 